Welcome to Torch, a podcast dedicated to all things Freeblades. We're glad you're here because this podcast is for you, the community of Phelan. And now, here are your impetuous High Quester hosts, Dan Rains and Jennifer Felix. Hello and welcome to episode three of Tarch the Podcast. This is your undefeated High Quester, Dan, coming at you live from GGS headquarters right after the North American tournament with my co-host. Jen Felix. Who didn't play. I did not. I was just here to watch and help. And here in the room with us, we have John. Hello. Matt Bun- Budney. Hello. And Julie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about how the tournament went today. We're going to talk about the finalists, their lists, and uh, kind of how we feel it went overall and what the plans are for the future. Um, so, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about setting this tournament up? Well, when John came to me with the idea of the tournament going, hey, we need your help, you know, because he had announced that they're going to do this tournament. Of course, my first thought is, yay, I get to play. Um, John said, you know, hey, you know, I don't know Tabletop Simulator. You're pretty good with it. You know, I'm putting together a team of, you know, me and uh, Jeff up in Michigan to be the uh, TO for the event. Can you help us out? Of course, I'm not going to turn John down. I've always said, hey, anything I can do to help, I'll help. And it was just a matter of getting the rest of the community up to par so that when this event does run, you know, there's not a whole lot of, hey, how do I do this in Tabletop Simulator? Hey, how do I do this in Discord? And so that the event yesterday and today ran smoothly. And with the videos I put out on YouTube, the one-on-one and group training sessions I did, I think we uh, pulled it off. There wasn't any any issues, really. I didn't see any. Uh, just some connection issues, but that's internet. I mean, it's an online tournament. There, That can't be helped. But it's like somebody getting stuck in traffic on their way to the event. Exactly. It's going to happen. It's happened to all of us, I guarantee it. And really, that was limited to a short break in audio in one game, right? Yeah, and it didn't cause a big problem yeah. with the game. It was just, hey, we're at a pause for, for audio, and then they got right back into it. And then we have our app master, Julie. <laughs> over there (laughs) so we've dubbed her the app because she was monitoring all the scores putting everything into this secret squirrel decoder box that she has (laughs) and uh pulling out brain this is uh the matchups and these are the win losses this is the strength of schedule so julie how did that grow for you oh uh that was a lot of fun i i love messing around the spreadsheets so (laughs) Yeah, you're like a wizard over there. It's just like magic stuff was showing up on the screen. You're like, let me see who all won. And you really? pushed a button, and then it was all the winners on the screen. And then we you're like, into it. yeah, we were all just like, oh. <laughs> Julie says, and there's in-app purchases. <laughs> so, uh, John, how do you feel about the first overall big tournament running through uh, digitally? Well, I first and the we're not the first one. Not the first one. That's right, yeah. Um, well, first one we've run as a company, mm-hmm. right? And I just want to add to what Matt said. I, in addition to being super helpful, he kind of, he said it, but he kind of glossed over it. A, a big piece of that was there was no lack of attention in the lead up to the players asking Matt questions about 
you know, how do I do this? And him doing a video on it, kind of instructions, answering questions on Facebook or Discord, wherever. And so anybody that wasn't feeling ready but wanted to play had a place to go to get, you know, help with Tabletop Simulator and how to play Freeblades in Tabletop Simulator, how to set up a game, you know, how to get their stuff loaded. So, you know, you, you can't you can't do it without that, right? Yeah. People would have been flailing around yesterday that weren't familiar with it but really wanted to play in it, and he made that go away. Yep. I have uh, I've owned Tabletop Simulator for a long time. I tried to play uh, another game on there, Heroes of the Antari Cluster, and I just couldn't figure it out, and so I left the program sitting. And then when, uh, after talking with you guys, that's what you were going to use. So I reinstalled it on my computer and then Matt walked me through getting the stuff to put on there and walked me through how to control a few things in the game. So me having only less than a dozen free blades games in person under my belt and never playing tabletop simulator. Um, I still played yesterday without a problem at all. So I, I was really happy with, with the support that I got from Matt. And then, you know, we only had like, I think one question. It was just a clarification. It wasn't even a real question and it was answered immediately. So we also have to give props to BJ. Oh, darn straight. BJ the more, you know, loaded all the stuff in the first place, all the assets and set up, you know, terrain and, you know, all the um, uh, data that needs to be in there and all the things that you move around when you're playing the game have to be put into it by someone and that was all done before we even got to this stage yeah that's so. it wouldn't have been possible without having a great fan base no. and that comes from a great company you know just like i say at work if you have a great leader that promotes this people then the people are going to promote the leader and it's going to be success all the way around and that's kind of how i see this event went everybody worked together uh there was a few hiccups in some games with how to measure or you couldn't put a figure in this spot because of the box of the, the way the graphics were. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm meant to be standing right here. All right. That's cool. We, I get it. That's what your intent is. So uh, it was really smooth. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing. I enjoyed going undefeated. <laughs> and, um, I don't think you mentioned that at first. Well, I just want to make sure you know, people know I, I didn't get beat. However, I didn't make it to day two. <laughs> Who did lose? <laughs> so, yes. So it was pretty fun. We had a, a good mashup of people uh, of, uh, of factions playing. The only faction I think that really wasn't there was the Black Thorn, and then maybe what was the Kuzark, the Shockrum? Kuzar, Treasure. Oh, the Kuzar. That's right. Yeah, and I didn't Raven see them. Blade. And Raven Blades. Raven Blades. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trazrites were afraid of all the Eclipse. Ah. The Eclipse were well represented. Were and well people represented. brought the snowshoes to fight against the Kuzar, but they didn't show <laughs> up. Shoes. They just, you know, their little legs just couldn't make it all the way <laughs> to this tournament. Put, and, and you know what? Just for those folks, we're going to add ice skates to the gear list in twenty one one. Nice. <laughs> right. Just we'll write a rule for it because why not? They'll buy them. So, <laughs> so did I, we have one faction that had the most um, players of? Uh, then we had several with two. Okay. Eclipse, Haradel, um, two Black Rose, no Thorns, my disrespected Thorns. We're going to give the Thorn like an Armor 10 Margi 30 <laughs> model because I'm tired of them being disrespected. Uh, well, you got to give them some ranged attacks too because range is broken. 
At least that's what I read. Is that what you read? I read it online, so it has to be true. You quoted Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, it has to be true. I read it online in Discord. Somebody wrote it. <laughs> now, we expect uh, Rochelle sales to pick up. That's good. Yeah, that was that was really good. It was going to be Eclipse sales, but wah, wah. <laughs> the Blade Brothers are not happy. Yeah, the Blade Brothers kind of ticked. Yeah. So, it was at the end of day one. Uh, when we were sitting in here looking at all the standings and trying to decide uh, how things are going to play out for day two, the top four people, it ended up being just by happenstance, two American players and two Canadian players. So, and that was based off of Julie, the app and all her data that she put in. And one of the players was unable to commit to being able to play on Sunday. And so that allowed uh, one person to slide up that was down below. And I think it was Andrew Potter that slid in. It was. Yes. It was. Okay. So Andrew slid in by the skin of some Canadian teeth <laughs> <laughs> and ended up winning the whole thing. Yep. So that's pretty crazy because uh, if that other player hadn't, went to go golfing today, <laughs> Andrew wouldn't be the winner today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Andrew, you need to send uh, that person a drink. I'm not going to mention their names. I don't want to give them all kinds well, of heartache. Canadian, but everybody who played in the tournament will know who it was. <laughs> um, so, John, tell us about the breakdown of the different uh, people that we had in. How many Canadians were competing for the North American Cup and how many Americans? Uh, 16 players, five of whom were Canadian. So 11 Americans and five Canadians. That's a little bit of an uphill climb, obviously, from a stat standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, balance from a who's won a tournament before, the Canadians were still rep- well represented in terms of players that had played in and done well and won, and won events. So that wasn't bad. But sheer numbers, you know, can weigh in at some point. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that was up, a little bit of an uphill climb. Um, and this is for the fun of the, you know, a SARS cup, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's to have, just to have a laugh. It's, uh, it's not the Stanley cup. It's a cheesy, <laughs> yeah. you know, the cheesiest thing I could find on Amazon deliberately because, you know, we want to have fun with it. Um, so, uh, and we have such a great, you know, community overall, but also just crazy good community in Canada. You know, and we, it's we, good to have some sibling rivalry. We, right. <laughs> right. And we love going there, you know, and uh, everybody gets along. The community overall is, I've been in a lot of competitive communities and uh, definitely the best. So, um, so 11 and five and, but still a pretty good um, dispersion of the factions. Nothing like stacked up anywhere where everybody from one place was playing. Mm-hmm. It's not the newest place. codex that just came out. Right. Everybody's no, playing. No, we're still pretty. We're still pretty happy with that. I think um, we work really. You know, we work really hard on balance. Uh, it's something we spend an awful lot of time on. So uh, it's not ever going to be perfect, but I think we got it about as good as you're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, you can see we're well represented in the initial factions that we came out yep. with. Mm-hmm. Are yep. still being played in right. tournaments. Right. Still That's, competing at a high level. It's something that matters to me. Right. I, uh, um, 
what I do in that case is I whatever the latest event was where some something didn't get played, that's what I play in the next now we're fortunate here because we have access to everything. Yeah. Right. But um uh I would be playing the next campaign I played and I'd be playing Thorn. Um I, do you need to play Kazark or Trazrites to you know, I mean they're they've been know, played. They've been played, you know. So or uh, Gular. I, I really think that they uh um, yeah, and you love your mounted ruler. I do. Yeah, they just uh, no, they just laid the whoop on me last week. I would I would play them. Uh, that was just revenge for that. Yeah, <laughs> by broad killing. Yeah, exercise. But, uh, <laughs> I caught you without your muster archers. Yes. So, but the I would play them either way. I'd play the foot half demon version, you know, the foot version or the mounted version. I mean, I like the mounted version now. It best a lot meet the models together and, and having a completely mounted force, but. I play the Gular. I love the Warlock. And one really funny thing about them is that the first few years that we were playing, when they were one of the four, you know, and, and we hadn't had a lot of other factions out, there's this series of photographs from different games, from different places, months, and years. And every one of the photographs, the Warlock is standing on top of something. Like they gravitated to a hill or a, or a, or a wall or a building or whatever. So there's a shot, and the, the Warlock is above everybody. Another photograph. And we're like, you know, different player, different force, different day, different game store. Warlock on, you know, a pedestal, you know, whatever. Don't know why. Now he's on his horse. He's riding around. He's a kid with all that crap. I guess. But so he's yeah. riding on his high horse. Yeah. He don't need yeah. to be on no pedestal. Yeah. Um. I was pleased to see uh, mounted Herodellans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're very powerful. They're you have to pay for them. Oh my gosh, the that leader was what? How many points was he? Fifty. Fifty. Oof. She. She. she, she my bad. They. It. Covered, right. <laughs> um, but she. Uh, Fifty, and that was the first time I'd seen a player in competition both take her and throw barracks rage on her. You know, which I think if you're standing in front of something, what's coming after you is the high quester with barracks rage backed by another knight behind her with shock. Mm-hmm. And there's so few things can resist that. And I know Andrew Triple knows that because he's using it. But uh, that's a powerful combination. I'm just, I would think I'd see it a little more than we have, you know. And I'm not surprised to find it in a competitive event. Though. And we got to see that in the semifinals. Yes. Yes. Where Andrew was playing against um, Colin. Yeah, Colin. No. Uh, wasn't CJ. it? CJ. Or was it CJ? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's that Barrack Rage uh-huh. leader that put the uh, final the, wound on, on them. The they group. can't parry anyway. They got, they're leaning on their armor. You know, they're just going to go in there. They've got no defenses when they have those that combination of things. I'm using the Lance and Barrack's Rage. They're extremely vulnerable. To Don't forget the horse. Yeah, we snuck in there and bits of people are stomping on board. The horse wounded the Golag. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one good. of the final wounds because yeah. when he went in on that, there was eight wounds on it, and then his horse bit it for one or yeah. kicked him or whatever he did. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty crazy. Where does Golat knee? Horses, as much as I love them, can be very dangerous animals, and a trained war horse was worth a lot of money. So, yeah, I'm and glad we to watched see a, representing that. Yeah. We watched a lot of peasants do some good things today, too, oh gosh. in many games. It yeah. seems like everyone except me has muster archers that are <laughs> capable of doing something. No, you just have the Kuzar Quarreler, who your son can do an awful lot with. 
It's the lucky quarreler. So after day one, uh, it was a long day. We played three games apiece. Uh, and I think we started at what? 10, 10 o'clock? 10 a.m. first round. And then we finished around 6. Yep. And uh, somewhere around there, 6 or 7-ish. It was earlier than that, wasn't it? Was it? No, it was six because it was four to six was the last round. Well, we had an hour between. Yeah, yeah. an hour and a half hour between. Yeah, right. And then today we started up at 10 again, mm-hmm. and we wrapped up right about 2.30, somewhere around there. So that was good. It didn't take too long. People still have a chance to do whatever at the end of the day, maybe get a ground of golf in. Um, <laughs> if it stops raining, so, sure. You still got plenty of time to do things. Um, but our day two, we had, uh, they had to use the same tables that they had on day one. Uh, but the first mission was the beast hunt, hunt. right? So we watched both games on two different screens, uh, for the semifinals. You want to, anything highlights anybody wants to talk about those games that we saw? You know, one of the things I actually learned both quite, were both were dropped goal laps though, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Both were no, uh, no, no. Colin was a break. Colin lost yeah. by break. Oh, he did. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, no, one of the things I did learn today. Now, I'm a decent player, not really great. I love my demons, but just sitting here watching John comment on games, you know. Playing backseat fiddle to him, making those comments, I've learned so much. You know, do this, not that. Do this, not that. Like, um, one of the things that um, with the CJ game was getting a model to block the attacks against the Golot so he couldn't charge those uh, questing knights and the leader in to so CJ would have potentially had the opportunity to deal the wounds so that the charging models couldn't have attacked the uh, goal line. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's like, oh, my word, I didn't even think of that. That's not in how I play the game, but, oh, my word, the, the tactical depth that you don't realize is there till you see somebody else play and see somebody else who really knows what's going on, comment. And with us doing this tournament this way, we were able to talk about, oh, I wouldn't do that, or, oh, that wasn't a smart move, or, oh, that was the best move you could do. We were able to sit here and kibitz because we weren't interfering with the table. We weren't interfering with the decisions that were going on. And so kind of what Matt's saying, it was, it was beneficial to me too, because as we were watching the last games uh, and they're measuring and, and looking where they want to move their guys, you know, John's like, no, that's not a good spot. Yeah, that's a good spot. No, that's not the, that's not the, and then he puts them, he's like, whoo, yep, you put him in the right spot. <laughs> and so it was just being able to hear that and see it actually happening on the tabletop right then was helpful for me too as a new player. Uh, whereas if we were at Adepticon and watching, you know, you can't talk around a table because that's them playing on the table. You can't say that's a bad piece of advice or you can't say that, oh, I would have charged this guy instead because those players are in the zone. They're in the game and that's their game. That's not your game. Um, so I, I really like that we were able to pull that away from this. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts about that too. Um, so, you know, we played, I played events, you know, for a long time. So back in the day, you couldn't put a video camera on the top two tables or whatever, that kind of stuff that you see more often, right, today. Mm-hmm. There's some Twitch stream or whatever on the, lot, on the last tables. 
Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not a fan of that because I'm too mistake prone and I'd really rather not, you know, have them on YouTube. Advertise. But because I played one very bad game, X-Wing, and a, a top table game and made it just a ridiculous error. And I still have, you know, hate mail. So, um, but I was thinking about that. If we, it was fun for us to be able to sit here and talk and just sort of rap about it and not interfere with the game. Um, if we were doing it live, we could get video gear on some top tables, especially the second day. Mm-hmm. Like if we do this next year at Depticon, we have a second day four cut semifinal final. We could get video gear on that. <clears throat> um, when when I was playing Starfleet, this is before the advent of all this, you know, internet connectivity to the level we have today. The championship game was played in a private room, and the, there would be two judges, and periodically one of the judges would come out and describe to people who were sitting around waiting to see what happened, you know, sitting around having a drink or whatever, what was going on, and go back in, you know, like a chess match or a, you know, high stakes poker game, you know. Um, now you didn't, wouldn't have to have that. You could have a video, uh, you know, a webcam on the game, and then be have it have it transmitted some other place, mm-hmm. you know. So we got to give that some thought because that was cool. It was really yeah, good it was for me. Both we were in a calm, quiet place to talk about it, and we weren't interfering with what they were doing. Whether the comments themselves were useful, I, I can't. <laughs> I would say that the beast on game, once the beast has got, and of course the beasts have different natures, you know, you take a vet cool down a much different way than you do a golat. But if you're taking a golat down and you're in the 7 8, you know, wound zone, anything is possible. So to, to carry the odds, You've got to you've got to kind of weigh where your attacks come in the sequence relative to the number of attacks total in diehards. You can't perfectly predict it. It wouldn't you know be fun. No, a, a horse got to hit through. Right. Okay. But but the but the issue is is that you can you can do things to maximize your chances. You know what we were talking about with with uh, CJ's game is the knights. I thought there was a way for sure to block one, mm-hmm. and um, that was. I'm not trying to judge what someone else is doing. To me, my play style, it would have been more important to me to throw the chaser into one of the knights and maybe even block the other one based on where the charge happened, um, but at least stop one um, because that horse can't land a wound if he doesn't touch the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I've got to get through five diehards. And you also don't have to make a morale check. Right. I don't have to take a ter- terrifying test, which ultimately – he, he aimed for the goal. If I remember correctly, he aimed for the goal out and failed it was stuck in the middle. And so the other, I'm, I am very much an expected value decision maker, and I generally go for the more reliable choice. If I send it after the knight, the knight will not touch the goal out this turn, because we fight the meat, and I will not take a morale test to do it. You know, when I charge into the goal out, I could fail. I'm not blocking the knight. He could come in behind me and take me off of it, and nothing happens. Um, and so I just like the more, the more reliable, which is what I was saying. I wasn't saying, don't do that. I was saying, I wouldn't do that, you know, yeah. different thing. Cause the thing that I was referring to was, uh, in the finals game where he was moving one of his models down towards the South end and it was putting him close to the center objective. And you're like, oh yeah, that's a good move. That's a solid move. And then he put him back. And then he measured towards the objective on the left. Right. And you're like, oh, that's not a good move. That's not a good move. <laughs> well, and then he put it back. He said it that way, but yeah. And then he moved it down and he's like, yeah, that's your best move. That's your best move. To me. Yeah, right. for John. And so, 
you know, not saying that what anybody did was wrong. Um, just being able to see what people are doing and then listen to John who wrote 90% of the rules for the models and everything else. It helps me get a little better understanding. So it was beneficial. And we could take a game and, and discuss it, a game already played, mm-hmm. you know, like mystery science. Three th- you know, yes, exactly. Right? Have our little heads on the little bottom. Shadows. Yeah. Our little <laughs> right, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> mine would be big and goofy with small ears, but so the, you know, they'll grow. We could, <laughs> your ears won't stop growing. That's right. So we, go, uh, we, um, you know, maybe we have a video and we record it. You know, we're not only showing the game to people in a different room of the screen, but we record it later. We kind of do a, hey, this is kind of a, just a commentary. Mm-hmm. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, let's not- take that to the highest level and let's make sure that, like, I love when we watch the NFL and they've got, we're circling this player and we're showing, you know, yeah, we, we could do, have to um, do a um, telestrator. Yeah. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't want to just, you know, hear you say, well, if we run this way, I want it shown. I mean, we've got these lovely green mats. They function as a green screen just as well as a football field. Let's let's go the whole nine yards here. Let's Look at you and your big old brain. That's right. You finally talk. <laughs> you finally talk this episode and it's something useful. <laughs> Who knew that was coming? <laughs> Nobody. I know death, no death for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the final table. Um, let's look at the two army lists that were there. And John, if you could kind of talk about them and maybe what you think their their usefulness was going to play in a tournament list. Yeah, I could. You know, um, I think my personal philosophy list in list builder games doesn't matter what it is, ours or somebody else's, is that it's there are. There's not an infinite number of good possibilities, right? There's an infinite number of ways to take a list, but it's not an infinite number of good ones. Mm-hmm. But generally, what, what I would say is fits in the bad category is a list that hurts you. It's, it's keeping you from doing something some way, right? Uh, <clears throat> I don't think – I think player matters more than list. That's my personal opinion. Um, I'm much more concerned about who I'm playing than what they're playing. And other people are the other way around, Right. Uh, oh, I had to play a so-and-so list. And they don't even remember the name of the guy they played, you know, the person they played. So I'm the opposite way, you know. There's players I'm, I'm trying to hunt down and kill, you know, because I know they're dangerous and we, you know, I got to get past them to, to get ahead if I'm going to do if I'm going to win. And what they have is they've got what they've got, you know. So um, I think these are both, the bottom line of that is, I think these are both quality lists. I don't think they hurt either player. It's up to them whether it fits their play style or not. But there's plenty of goodness in both of them. Uh, I think we saw that throughout the event. Mm-hmm. I, and I like both the Eclipse lists. I'm more of the it's Jackie Chaser player. So personally, mine would be more like Chris's than Collins. But there's nothing wrong with Collins' list the way he played it. It's not my style. Yes. Yeah, well, it's each yeah. person and how they but feel comfortable solid. and be able to use their skills. These are absolutely solid. I'm, uh, you know... I, I'm a big fan of you don't take muster archers in less than three. From the I'm campaign, not a big numbers, fan of muster archers. And, and, and the number is actually six in the campaign. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, after but, watching today, I'm definitely well, thinking I'm going to pick up another one or two since yeah. I only own two right now. The threshers are um, surprisingly effective on a charge and is somebody that's already stuck in, which is what you should be doing with followers in the first place. Yes, ignore follow, the fact yeah. that John made those the only fast models well, on okay, that so list, with that scenario, except the horse. scenario dependent. That's a right. really good Absolutely. point. So if they're going to go and run around and, tr- and carry loot, 
you know, it's a thresher you throw back to the baseline with Tanara's Airy. It's a thresher that goes out mm-hmm. and searches the... That's what, can get back that's, in the fastest. Right. That's how I won okay. the treasure hunt scenario with, with threshers. Right, but in a fight scenario, you know, they come in and when they charge, if they're charging a, a hero model, it already has your hero on it. And set aside demons and undead and whatever that don't have heroes on it, bandits. But say the model has heroes on it. So I've got, uh, these are... Um, Threshers, so I've got one. T- I got somebody tied up with my questionnaire bidnar, and a thresher comes in. I can't be attacked because the model has heroes on, right? I um, am a D8 to hit, and that other model is likely down one defense because now we're piling on. The other model didn't charge his turn; he was stuck in with the questionnaire bidnar. So it's defense three or four instead of four or five. Um, so D8 is pretty reliable. Does the thresher also ignore shield? Right. It has shield so breaker. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. the thresher is shield breaker, so I'm ignoring one positive point of defensive bonus. Right. And um, I'm D6 plus one, so I'm charge on D6 plus two, which means I only need to roll a four. I get a 50 50 chance of breaking armor six straight up. Right. You know? And that is a hidden. You have to make all that work to get all that juice out of it, but it's a hidden capability. And so there's these, if I'm playing this list, these threshers are kind of in a fight scenario. They're kind of lurking, lurk, 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 charge. You know, I'm going to put in that extra, oh, my God, your thresher killed me. I was a D8 on a defense three model, you know, with a D6 plus two damage. You know, what couldn't I hurt? That's a reliable hit. Is it a reliable hit if you're alone? No, because no. they kill you before you get to go, right? You know, so um, you don't lead with them. Uh, you don't need, Dan, you don't even tell me the effectiveness of muster archers. Yep. Right, because they're awesome. And this is a great, and it, the Sword of Vidnar has kind of changed the. Um, and that design. is the only, that is the newest release model that was eligible to be played in this event was the Sword yeah, of Vidnar. Right. So what it changes is um, you can only have one more questing night because your typical design is six heroes at this level, 250. Now, there's not a lot of people taking five and lots more followers. You know, it's just. I do it sometimes, but there's a reason to do it. Right? Well, the Iron Man list with no caster, you know. <clears throat> so Iron Person list, no caster. <laughs> Just trying to do it times. So um, what the Sword Vidnar changes is, if you look at them as slots, I got my leader slot, I got my caster slot, and then I've got four models left. If I take one apprentice, I can have two questing knights, but not three. So what used to go in that four slot, an ally or an apprentice, right? Now you can have a Herodellin line model, not an ally, that's a decent fighter, D10 attack, D10 sword, good talents, you know, that fills that slot. And, of course, champion Cantor, so when yep. the Cantor goes on sale, you don't want the fighter priest for your caster. That's an interesting point. Now, this one obviously has the Fist of Vidnar, because as we mentioned, Cantor's not quite out yet, and right. the sword was the last eligible new release that yeah. could be put on. Do you think... If you were putting together that list to play it in a tournament a couple months from now where the Cantor is eligible, that you would swap the fist for the Cantor? Okay, what circumstances so, would that be a yes and which one would so, be a no? So, yes, I would take the Cantor because I love the Cantor's spell list. But, of course, I made the Cantor's spell list. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, there for those players that might not know yet... Um, the spell list that you see in Freeblades, the nine spells these are these initiate level casters have. They're basically level three casters. And you're seeing their nine most useful battle spells. But in Bright Sword, in the world, 
A third level caster has 27 spells, nine level one, nine level two, nine level three. And the caster in the game is getting a mix of those, you know, threes, twos, and ones. Um, the mix of uh, the Kentor spells are more my style than the Fist of Vidnar spells. And uh, I just, um, uh, I, there's a little bit of, I've been playing a Fist of Vidnar since the playtest in 2009 right. to 2010, whenever that started. And so, um, you know, it's something new, but it just fits my it's my style better. I think people, you know, will be will be deciding. And I don't think you either need to have the sword to take the cantor in your list. Oh no, the sword is useful no matter what. Right, and I don't. Well, the other way around too. Right. right? Um, so somebody's like, "Well, you know, I take the sword now, but I don't get. I'm losing a talent. A, a one. I'm here to tell you, people. I want to hear this. You know, if you have a talent on a model and you don't use it in a game, one talent will not make the difference of that game. It's just you can believe it." Or not, I'll tell you that the fact that you play had champion Cantor and didn't make another choice and didn't get that one more point out of your model from a cost standpoint, that's just not real. That's not a real thing to me. Okay. So I I love it. I love this list. I love so them both. With his sword of Vidnar in here, he gave him improved armor and snowshoes. Can you elaborate as to why you think that he chose those two? One of them, yes. Okay. <laughs> this thing with snowsuits in this tournament, I think it's probably an inside joke somewhere. I, you know. Okay. And when they made the list, they all thought everybody else was going to be Kazark, and they were going to be walking running through uh, the um, two table control spells. Uh -huh. think, right? And so I don't have to worry about that if I've got snowshoes on. Okay. And there wasn't a single... I'm going to put ice skates in the game just for you guys. <laughs> yeah. you know? so, um, but uh, the improved armor on the Sword of Bidnar Right, let's take a look at it real quick. Yeah, tell me about what improved armor is. Well, and... improved armor is a gear item you can purchase, uh, one of them for your free band in a, in a tournament or a one-off game. You can get more of them in a campaign. Um, and <clears throat> unlike the other heroes in this list, uh, she is... Um, Oh, she's not here yet, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the wrong place. Sorry. I'm, uh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, we're looking John at... writes the rules, but yeah, then he hides them for the himself. Yeah, I don't know where the hell they are. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what people aren't seeing is I'm on the big uh, big screen. I'm looking at the rule book. And John hides his own Easter eggs, too. <laughs> I do. And then I don't find them, so it's weird. Um, like the smell clues you in a month later. Yeah. Uh, Tarot Trez writes... And it was John's birthday just a couple days ago, so yeah, I'm still recovering. We made a joke that um, John's so old that he plays moderns, but we refer to it as ancients. <laughs> that wasn't any funnier this time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's go. Uh, let's go find your stack card real quick. So we were working on um, tarot cards. That's what I want. Yeah, as we mentioned before, we're redoing all of the stat cards for you in tarot card oh, shape, which yeah. will be a lot easier to fit on the table. Yeah. But that does mean that suddenly all the stat cards are front and center on John's computer, and so there's that much more to dig through here. It is a crap time. Yes. We're very hard at work to get that out to you. We're excited about okay, it. Okay, so we have our sets up on the screen now. This is why I would I would totally agree with the idea of putting improved armor on her as opposed to other models Okay. in the list. And he's got, when he ends up, he's got, uh, what four points to play with snowshoes or one and improved armor three, if I remember correct, four gold. Um, 
that could have turned, you know, two archers into threshers. I wouldn't. Two threshers is enough for me. So this is a good call. The snowshoes is either you really thought you're going to play a lot of Zark, or you're all a bunch of comedians out of work. One of the You've got one gold, nothing else <laughs> yeah. to spend so it on. So she's normally armor five. Im- improved armor makes her armor six if the other model doesn't get a threshold three hit. Okay? So she's defense five, so they would have to get an eight normally in order for that not to be armor six. Eight or higher, right? Yeah. So you get a, and it's worse because she's got two parries at D10 plus one. So if she does get hit on a, let's say somebody rolls an eight, a person could roll that D10 plus one and just get a six on the die roll and prevent the improved armor from kicking in. So she's a very good model to prevent that threshold three hit. So she's very likely to be constantly eight times out of 10. I have to do the math, but a lot, you know, above 50, where she's going to be armor six and instead of armor five. Nice. While she's fighting. And, you know, Tripp's a, you know, smart enough player to, to know that. It wasn't random. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. That's why So <clears throat> I just picked up that model. I have it on my paint table at home. And so I kind of asked that question selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> now, and she's got this mix of talents. Confined, for example, works against uh, post-combat abilities like hit and run. If the other side you're playing and you play three games and you never play a guy with hit and run, or a player with hit and run, then you didn't get to use your combined at all. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I mean, as much as 5%, maybe even more of your points, if you're sweating that detail, I think you'll, I just personally agree with that, this building mythology. You know, I'd rather have the have it when I need it than worry about I've spent one point too many on something, you know, in a game of 250 gold. That's not that's not a percent calculation that I've imagined. So I think it's a great list. I pl- absolutely play it. I'm not sure if that's the standard for great, um, but uh, I think it's well designed. Uh, watching uh, Trip play it, I think it absolutely fit his style. I think he it's a good match between. He wasn't fighting himself with the models he had, and I've seen that way too many times. You know, somebody wants this thing to work, or they took it because somebody else told them it was good. Or they loved the look of the models, yeah. which, well, I mean, know, there's nothing wrong there's with nothing painting wrong them and making a beautiful saying, diorama yeah, and playing something else yeah, to determine. No, I, if you like to, if you, what, whatever makes you comfortable with them, if you're in your comfort zone with them, you should mm-hmm. be playing. But if you're just doing it because somebody else said it was great, list, you know, net listing, whatever Yeah, net listing, like net decking. I don't really believe in that term, but the term is useful in terms of it describes something where you got it from somewhere else. Yeah. You know. I don't plagiarize. I don't, well, <laughs> if it were protected from a copyright standpoint, it's plagiarized. So I like that list. I li- and I, like I say, I like them both. I like the Takar Hunter Leader. I get it. You know, I know what's going on there. Um, and what he's done, this is similar to designs I think we've seen from Andrew Potter before. I think this is a lot like his Dismounted Blade Rider filling list. If I remember correctly, I haven't played with him when he was playing the watching games or he played with, you know, you can have four hero shooters. You get two misdancers and two dismounted blade riders. There's a bunch of combos in that list where you could get, or one's a searcher, you know. Um, and so there's a there's some flexibility in terms of. Uh, so, so I don't know anything about the Marshale at all. And so when you say like the four shooter list we'll talk about um, his heroes yeah. basically all his heroes is what you're referring to yeah. and they have the ability to have ranged attacks yeah now these um, should all be in the rule book so i think i am going to the right place when i do this but let's talk about 
So he has two. We have, he has first of all, he's taken an alternate leader to Car Hunter. Okay, which makes um, this a is Mar a D twelve. Mm-hmm. Makes his discipline a D twelve. Makes him four or three wounds instead of two. Yep. Um, and shoot them, right? Because he gets a leader talent. Yes. Okay. So that's also useful in terms of his dodge because that's a ability test. All ability tests are plus one to a leader. So things like diehard dodge, a leader gets a plus one to them. Wow. Okay. That he and I know Andy knows that. So um, then the wing companion is either a uh, a quickie small melee attack for chasing off. You know, uh, you got something extra that's got low armor. You can go bite him. But but more often I see Andrew Potter using it to drop the other model's defense because the bird's in your face. You know, that's the that's what that looks like when. Our, our, our listeners can't see this. Yeah, you can't see, but John's waving his hands in front of his face about three inches. <laughs> so, if you I like the car on a leader. I think that makes sense. And then he took two Reavers Kindred, Marty 10, the Tamari, uh, the two handed Michelle sword, D10 Quick Strike, and then a D10 Bar Tenko, um, which is uh, the ver- their version of a composite bow. 10, 20, 30 range, D8 and deadly. So, he only needs. Eight over to get a crit on a hit instead of uh, ten. Um, and then the dismounted Rittikar, uh I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I have to. T- I wanted to talk to Andrew about this. The, the dismounted and the mounted are only a point apart, mm-hmm. right? The, the the dismount is two points slower, but picks up a point of armor because. Uh, there's a calculation in the design of the model where if you get a mount, an unarmored mount, you know, um, if their armor is different enough, you average them, right? And it will come out with a different um, armor result. The Knight of Basilar doesn't have that because the horse is barred and it's paying for it. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, but they're both uh, dodge, crafty dodge, agility 12, sidestep. They can teammate with their rift cars, you know, and they're quick. So the real difference is you're a point less gold, one less gold coin. You're two slower. You're one armor, and you take up less space. So was Andrew thinking I'm going to be in more grab loot scenarios? So I need to be on foot because it's easier to pick up loot on my foot. Um, I'm going to be in tight spaces, and I want to be able to get into it. You know, it, that's a player design choice. Um, I know he's had luck with dismounted blade riders, so I think that might may have something. I don't know. I have to ask him. I was going to say, um, hopefully he listens and he can definitely put an answer in our well, well, yeah, we channel on yeah. Discord. Let us know. He doesn't, yeah. So um, I'm going to ask him one way or the other. I'd, right. rather, I'd rather have him listen to the podcast. I would do. We'll try to encourage him to do that. So, but what that does is it gives him four heroes that are D10 Roar Tenkos. So as he is coming across the table, a vulnerable hero model can't be in line of sight of all four. Right, if you're mm-hmm. a two wound armor three, one dodge model, I don't know, secret sister, that's already lost her disguise or, or the equivalent of that, they could reliably put that model down. They've created that dead space. You know, they aren't covered in higher armor, the best you know defenses, but the dodge two D twelve that we there's three models we call the artful dodgers because they all came out at the same time. The Knight of Sylvia, they're all uh, D12 Dodge, Dodge 2 D12. Um, Knight of Sylvia, the Bounty Hunter, and someone. And they all came out 
in the wait a while ago now, but they all came out roughly the same time. They all came into the game and brought heroes with Dodge 2D12 into lists that didn't have them, you know. And she kind of, or he kind of fits, she kind of fits that model um, where she fits out. But the issue is what I think Andrew's doing, what I would do is there's a space in my advance models can't be in. Now, the other player's not going to hang them out to dry if they're playing well or aware of that. So what do you get out of it? You get about, I get that space I can operate in and they can't be in and not be in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, I played somebody recently who had that kind of shooting and it was uh, my my handling handling of it was a bear baton. Uh, Aaron. Aaron was playing Falcar with a ton of shooting heroes. And I, I made sure that the bear baton was the closest thing to everybody. You know, so you're going to you're gonna be testing armor six with your longbow if you hit me. Um, and I've got X number of wounds, three wounds. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, D12 Dodgers uh, also, you know, D, a Dodge 2 D12 agility models. I don't know what the way to handle it. When I was playing Black Thorn, I handled it by taking my stake missile and casting a Shalkarak and blocking in behind it like I was going into a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you were running <laughs> so, behind the armored car. Yeah, we were all stacked up behind the armored car. So, because uh, like Scott uh, Scott Roberts had two D18 Night Hunters in the campaign, you know, about about game four. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, everybody's hiding behind the Shalkarak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it can be dangerous. Um, and he, another thing he can do, because he's Rochelle, is that he can take a charge, right? Shoot. If he's stationary, he hasn't gone yet. Mm-hmm. Shoot um, with a range reaction attack. And then because of quick strike, if they're the same or lower discipline, he's going to go first. He's got counter attack. He's going to go first because he gets charged with counter attack. Uh, so, Two um, attacks in before your enemy gets mm-hmm. their hit in. That's definitely Not a small a deal. You're going to take that into account if you're the one charging. Right. Yeah, that seems pretty viable. Um, and it's one of those, oh, I got you moments for people that are like me that haven't played against them before. And you're just like, oh, wow, that works that way. Yeah. So having little theory crafting sessions kind of like this helps us other newer players kind of see how special rules work and see how things can tie together to make those really neat combos and to come out with a list that's viable of winning a tournament, you know, because I could play the same list and I wouldn't finish where he did. There's no way because I don't know them. I don't understand how all of it works together. So just being able to sit down in a room with people and discuss and talk about it as opposed to learning in a vacuum really helps. So that's why I wanted us to break down these two big, big lists we can't do it for every one of them, but we can at least do it for these two Mm -hmm. and talk about it. I would add to that though. And I tell this, I give this caution to anybody thinking about combinations in any game. If you find yourself watching, looking over your move, when it's your turn to move or while you're like thinking about what you're doing with the other person is moving and you're thinking, how do I make that combo happen? Yeah. You're going to be in trouble historically over time you're going to be in trouble because you people i've watched people force themselves i will bait someone into focusing on the combo and not what else i'm doing do it all the time okay so somebody says what i really want is i want to make that combo work where they charge me and i take my range reaction attack and then i get to counter attack them and i'll go feed it because that rich car is not where it needs to be to win the game and i'll like go oh i'll stay right here and won't counter attack because or uh, counter charge because I want to 
where really he needed to countercharge to be here instead, um, the person was saying, no, I really want this combo to work. Okay, cool. And we'll all be back there together. Yeah. Right. And it's the worst place for him to be. Um, right. Wrong side of the objective. Yeah. And, and you know, points. it has to do with a calculation of the likelihood that those two attacks are going to kill me before I get to go. You know, so what am I using to do that? You know, Something husk, tough. Husk Carl, you know, a bear batan, a, a boar warrior, you know, whatever, right? It's not reliably going to get put down between those two attacks. Well, there's also times in the game that you don't want to use those abilities. Right, no. We certainly saw that in the final game. And a Rochelle player has got to know when to give up the Tenko. You know, if you if you are, i got to get the most out of these bows all the time, you know, uh, the Weaver's Kindred and the uh, Ritzikar, if you're thinking I've got to be shooting all the time, you know, the, especially the Reavers Kindred, who's a born fighter with no shoot talents. It's just raw D10. He doesn't have sniper, marksmanship, anything else, right? But he's armor five, quick strike D10, parry one, right? So he's a he's a melee fighter with a one shot with no backup, no extras, not shield breaker, not, you know, any of that stuff. So if you just you're constantly sitting on the hill, well, he's two of your four line heroes. You know, you can't just sit there and shoot your tank all the time. At some point, you got to go wade in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the witch cat providing bonded to a forester. You're also speed eight, but sometimes it's time to let Kitty go. You know, and I'm not going to worry about being plus one defense in my forester. I'm going to go charge sixteen. You know, right. go out there and do something, whatever it is. Right. So without all the mustard. Yeah, the ones that are, the ones that are hybrids are tricky for newer players because uh, am I supposed to be A or B? If I'm an apprentice like Tanar, it's just A. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> is a great starter faction because it's so yep. straightforward. Yeah. That's why we say that. I agree. And it did well for me. I went undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Right. You know the reference. I'm not sure if you guys that. knew that or not. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's amazing, Dan. Well, but I mean, obviously, Herodel's well represented here. Dan went undefeated. You know, Andrew played him in Andrew the Andrew played into the final, the yeah, in the finals. Yeah. yeah. But I would I would say that the the bottom line of all that is that these are lists that don't hurt you. Are they are they you know tournament winners where they win themselves? No, these models do not win themselves. You can go in there and make all kinds of bad decisions. However good this list is not going to save you. Nope. You know, so you really got to know what you're doing. That's what you were saying. You you might take a Richter card or a game now before today's discussion, and would you know the same things to do with it? Nope, right. not at all. Uh, Potter does, no. Yeah, so I'm looking, when I go into a game, I just want to have a list that doesn't hamstring me somehow. And the second, the more important thing is it fits my style. Otherwise, I'm fighting against my style. My style is fast. When I play Haradel, I have to... You know, I have to overcome that. I really want to be dancing around and finessing and sidestepping and stuff, and I can't. It's not what Haredale's going to It's not me. Yeah. It's not my style. So I'll play him. It's fun. But I, I got to remember that I can't do all those things that, you know, trillions. And but I love that you've pointed out that Potter has a style that you've seen supported by two different lists, two different fashions. Yeah. So having found his style, he's able to make that work in a couple different contexts. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like you're necessarily going to be limited because one, one fits fashion. your play style, yeah, yeah. but yeah, absolutely find your play style, play around with it. Mm-hmm. I think Dan can tell you coming in as a fairly new player to a tournament, we still have a great group of people that's going to help you learn. You're still going to enjoy yourself. Yep. You I, had a, I, had <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. I had a good time and I didn't know all the scenarios cause I've only played a few games and we just read the rule book and the rule book pretty much clearly tells you what the things are. Um, and you went undefeated. 
That's right. <laughs> I just heard that. My first tournament. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Not your first tournament. Not my first, first free blade my blade first free blade tournament. Let me let me clear that out. Yeah. First free blade tournament. I love when I go to a tournament in a game I haven't played a lot before. Oh, this is this new guy over on table five. Yeah, mm -hmm. new guy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and believe that. You know whatever. So yeah, I I like them both. I I I don't think there's a list in the game in the tournament. I would go, oh my god, that's gonna hurt that person. I go back and look at it again, but I thought you know there's a lot of good designs up there. I and, don't know why I'm not seeing any Shockroom or Trazorites because I just, you know, I know that uh, people are, are bigots about the Blackthorn. We're going to have to fix that. Well, I thought about playing my Shockroom, but I haven't got any games with them yet since I've got them painted. And uh, I figured if I'm going to play in a tournament, I at least should play something that I know what the model's abilities are because I think that's key to winning in your own faction is just knowing what your own models can do. Um you can pick them up and be like, oh, these models look cool, and I just bought them, like the Chakram. I don't necessarily know what all their stuff does, and I still don't know everything about the Herodellans, but I know a lot more, and that allows me to be able to maneuver them correctly and know what my limits are as a player and as a limit as my models are. Um, because I can't control your models on the table. I can't control anything you're doing. Um, so just knowing your own stuff will help you yeah. win the battle. Yeah. And actually knowing the rule book, you know, so those of you who haven't read the rule book and you just play, I would recommend, you know what we're talking to when you said I, I would recommend <laughs> that you get the living rule book for like, it's what, $10 yeah. something and you have it forever and then put it on your phone and read it while you're in the bathroom thinking for a while. If you do that, if that's what you do. If that's what you do. Yeah. That's really good advice. You know, and break it up into chunks. Take a little bit at a time. Read through, understand it. As you move through it, everything will tie together and make sense. Yeah, I, you know, I want to emphasize what Dan was saying about also what about um, you know knowing your own stuff. When I when I go to a competition, I want to be thinking about the next turn during the other player's turn. Always. I don't want to be thinking about what my stuff can do during the other player's turn. You know, I want to be seeing, I'm on turn three, and they're moving. I want to be thinking about turn four. I don't want to be going, what do my guys do again? Oh, you're behind Parker, in my opinion. Yep. You know, and when I come into a game and the other person's looking at their cards and trying to remember all their all their talents and powers, whatever they're called in that game, you know, I think I've already got an edge. And one thing that was helpful for me, um, because you called me on Friday, I think it was, was Friday or Thursday, and asked me to play. Um, and so I was like, okay, yep, I'll, I already have my list. It's the basic list that I've been practicing with. And so we had the, the roster already put up so I could tell who my first game was. And I was playing against Udegar first and I own Udegar, but I've never played them. And so what I did was I looked at that guy's list and then I went and I looked at all the stat cards and I looked to see what each of them could do so I could be a little better prepared and then in between the rounds, once we got our pairings, um, again, I went, boom, right back to that list, looked at what those people had, and then I went to look at the cards because uh, it's super important to be able to understand what they're going to do or what they're doing. And I'm still new, but I was able to assist my opponents in making better decisions against me because of their cards. And I'm like, hey, you have an extra attack. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's a times two attack. Oh, okay. I didn't even notice that. And you also have one more. What? 
Yeah, well, you're you're frenzy. Yeah. So you actually have three attacks, not just one. And they were like, oh my gosh. And that's where you know? our community is awesome. And so and it is fun to come play because other people will help you out. Yeah. And, you know, I want everybody to get the most out of what they're doing. And I want them to always walk away from a game with me saying that was a good game as opposed to who won, who lost. This guy was rude. This guy talked smack. Um, I'm a grown, uh, grown adult. I almost used a profanity. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't have a lot of time to game. So when I get to come out and get to spend a day of gaming and I get three games in, I want those three games to be valuable. I want those to be my stress relief. I want those to be my happiness because if I come out and I can only play three games in a month and those games are long, they're grueling. My opponents argue with me. Then that puts me down. It makes me not even want to play the game. It makes me not even want to paint. And so we have to, as players and as a community, think about other people and how we interact with them. And I have to say that every interaction I've ever had with the free blades community for the last few years, has been great. I've witnessed them at Adepticon, at Gen Con, at Recruits, uh, and they've always been great. There's always a new person that just literally bought the stuff at the show playing in the event. I think every tournament that I've ever walked up on, somebody brand new was sitting at that tournament table. And, you know, that's it's amazing that somebody can come in, spend a little bit of cash, and then sit down and play in a tournament and have a good time and their opponents still have a good time and not feel like they're teaching someone a game and feel like they've been robbed of their tournament. So uh, I, I really appreciate the community. And this also shows that uh, even though you were helping out your opponents, you're a new player yourself. You still went undefeated, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, really? Truth of the matter is with this community, guys, you know, I've played against some of the great players, Chris Jackson, to, you know, Andrew Potter, played against them, uh, Mike McCune, another another great local player, Ed, you know, and they teach me stuff all the time. I teach them stuff all the time. It is a group community because we want to play each other at our best. We don't want to have a gotcha moment and take advantage of the, hey, yeah. you screwed up because you really screwed up because you didn't understand something. No, no, no. We want to make sure everybody's on the same level page because you want to beat your opponent at their best because it feels so much nicer beating a top-level, multi-challenge coin player like Chris Jackson when he's playing his best and when he completely you know, messes something up. It, it's a whole different feeling. Well, I don't want to win because they forgot the Berserker on Street Attacks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a cheap no, win? No desire to do that. Mm -mm. You know, so <clears throat> I'm absolutely... Uh, um, and that was, you know, I was just thinking about other communities I played. There were a couple that would like that, and there were some that were not. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather be in it. I played games before with people that would go out of their way to not help you. Yeah. And it just, it makes it not fun at all. Yeah. So, we'd rather have the one we have. Absolutely. So, we've talked about the lists. Um, we talked about the winner. It was Andrew. I thought it was cool that uh, Andrew Potter actually lost his first game and you know sometimes people lose their first game and they think oh you know well that's Turn my over. chances are <laughs> are done but he actually came back and won the whole thing I know and I went undefeated and I didn't even make it to day two <laughs> <laughs> you went undefeated <laughs> 
That's awesome. <laughs> so I've, I've been, you know, in other, in other game, I don't know if I've ever heard it in free plays, but in other game systems, you know, I've taken a hard loss in round one and then been able to come back. I've seen other people do it. Um, it's called submarine because when it goes Swiss, the people, the winners of winners are getting matched and you get thrown into the, to the losers bracket, third, yeah, mm-hmm. of the pack, and you not saying that the people that were in the second round were losers. No, but it's just a term that's used in the just, game. Well, it's just a percentage thing, you know. And, <laughs> and they're all they're all you know bashing each other down, and you're climbing back up. The it can be done is the bottom line, mm-hmm. and as a name, you know, because we, we we've seen it before. He, you know, but what I think what Julie was saying, he just stayed with it. He didn't get discouraged by that. You know, he just plays. Played his play, did his thing, took whatever came, you know, and golf. Yep. So. <laughs> Sometimes luck plays into well, it. You know, so. Well, it's a it dice is, game. It's a dice game, yeah. Yeah. So whether it's the dice or someone having golf already planned, luck, luck plays its part. Mm-hmm. So something else that happened exciting this week, John. World Anvil. Well, for the uh, new uh, and the new Patreon, new Patreon levels? levels, yeah, yes. new subscriber levels. I thought you were talking about my birthday, dude. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I ain't singing happy birthday. I mean, no, please, no. It's long since passed. So, um, you want? You want yeah, just let's talk about it for a so second. So we have we we went into um, uh, the beginning of October with uh, three above the free level. We get all the basic information. Uh, on a world anvil, the LRB level, which is you've purchased a, a living rule book and you're going to get, in addition to the basics, some extra stuff to help you play free plays because you're a living rule book owner. Um, so you don't pay a subscription to world to Patreon for that. You just get access. Um, then there's Bladesworn and Loremaster. Bladesworn is, I know what a, a, a character in this world would know. And a Loremaster knows a little more, substantially more in some cases, and can put on campaigns and know the behind the scenes stuff, you know? So the uh, Bladesworn subscriber might know about the existence of an artifact or the existence of a high powered, you know, NPC and the lore master knows their stats, knows where they are in the world, knows what room they're locked in. So they have access to the DMG. Yeah, right, right. Player's handbook versus, yeah. you know, or player's handbook plus the um, player text of an adventure and then the DMG and the Game Master text of the module, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, we added two more. What you're talking about is we added two more on October 1st, Fail on Elite. And Fail on Elite is I get a whole bunch of things where I can see things or there's a bunch of stuff. I'm going to break it into two categories. I get to see things early, and I get to be um, directly influence uh, design and content decisions, you know, through a number of different means. So if you go on to Patre- our Patreon and you look at the fail on elite level, you will see what all those goodies are. Um, but they kind of generally fall in one of those two categories. Either I'm helping design the world and, and, and provide content and, and have a vote in what gets done, and I get to see things before other people see them. Then there's a level above that that's actually limited in terms of numbers called World Builder. Gets everything, and of course, Elite gets everything War Master and Bladesworn gets, you know, and World Builder gets everything Elite. Lore Master and Bladesword gets. And in addition to that, stuff even earlier than the elite level and um, a direct influence in um, a particular faction to include the design of both a, a non player character 
a significant non-player character in the background and a habitation, a village, a monastery, a castle, you know, some place in the world that's your home. The swamp you have set no. up. Now, we, one joke going around the, you know, DJS headquarters is you could, you know, join as a world. And we only we limited to three because you're going to get our personal attention. There's going to be 18 eventually. Um, and 18 is kind of a magic number in Phelan for a lot of reasons. But there's eventually going to be 18 that we're going to allow. That's a lot of people getting personal attention on their character. That is a lot every month on top of your regular stuff. So whatever we do. So we limited to three initially. Mm -hmm. um, And if someone uh, subscribes to that level and then lets their subscription go, that will also become available for someone else to get. And, but we're probably going to burn down your village. You know, I mean, if you, uh, if you build the village of Danistan, that's right. Right. Somewhere in Gular or wherever you are, um, and you're a world builder and you work on, we provide some background and you leave. You say, I'm not interested in this anymore. Your village is vulnerable to plague, uh, war, uh, you know, raids by uh, barbarians, you know, uh, whatever. Um, uh, a witch gate opens in the middle of it. You know, we'll, we'll turn that adventure into a fun story because we want to turn that back over to a new world builder if, if somebody decides they want to like go. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, we're trying to make it so cool you don't do that, you know, but it might happen. Right. Taste change over time. Five seconds. It did. Right, but he managed to get one though. Oh, I was hitting refresh every other second, waiting, and it took a long time to load in. When I actually said accept, because it was there was a lot of people processing, and I got real lucky. My fault was uh, the elite listed up seconds before the world builder did, and so when I logged in. The only one that showed available was the elite. Oh. And so I assumed that the world builders were already sold out, but in all actuality, the you world builders hadn't even been. So there's more coming, and it's all yeah. good. Yeah. And I get why you're doing it. I'm not mad at you. Um, so, <laughs> but I got another chance next time. You do. And uh, the race that I wanted to pick, nobody picked. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm not going to say it now because somebody will right. pick it and say, right. yeah. you want to buy it? <laughs> like well, buying domain right. names. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about them. So, yeah. um, but we're, we're super excited about that because one of our, one of our um, trademarks, one of our characteristics is player involvement in the, the building in the background. You know, we want the players to be, a lot of things that are in there are because of players. For example, all the winners, well, not, not all the winners, all the players in the North American Championship are going to get sent our new promo artifact card, Leanna's Bow, which was designed by a player. Yep. You know? And so um, she has a whole, she has a character in the background. She's got a, um, and that was a Kickstarter reward level as opposed to what we're doing with Patreon now, but still, um, this is a new way of doing business. But she, um, um, that is her thing, you know, and she, she got to directly influence that. The Leanna's bow wasn't there before Linda designed it. You know? right. She designed it. We got artwork done for it that yep. she got to approve. John wrote up some rules for it. I mean, there's there's a lot of fun that and gets into that level. I wrote the mechanics. She she told me what she wanted to right. do. All I did was make it mechanically work in the game. Yeah. From dice rolls and whatever. And even before. So she, had, you know, she said she wanted to go and, and pin somebody and, you know, like a vine hit somebody. The arrow turned yep. into a vine. And, uh, okay, I can work with that. It's always the best way to go. The player, you know, I'm not a game designer, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just you know, it's it's always easier for the for the person who's kind of coming up with the idea to say, I would like it to do this, and don't go. I would like it to be a D8 plus one and have this wording and mm-hmm. tell me what you want it to do, and we'll make that work. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, we're going to see that from the world builders. Where do you want your, you know, your habitation? The Raven Blade headquarters is in the city in Thormenau. Which one? Or, or Mac goes, you know what? I know it's kind of the going in position. I kind of like a secret headquarters or one out in the country. I know you're talking about doing a city, but that's negotiable. Mm-hmm. For the world builder, I can't say how it'll end up, but we absolutely go back and forth and negotiate that to figure it out what's the best for the player in the game. You know, and it might be that, hey, I get a great story for that. I want to do it this way. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting stuff. It's pretty neat. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we also, uh, I helped Matt look at some of the settings in Discord. So he went through and adjusted that. So you'll notice Other some Matt. different. <laughs> yeah. You got to be clear because he's. Sorry, we have several Matts. A, a shit ton. And some Matt Greens. I mean, a lot of them. Sorry. <laughs> no, so you got to be specific about it. That was spelled S-C-H-I-T-Z. That's right. <laughs> That's the name of a TV series. So it wasn't profanity. That's right. um, so you'll notice your different levels in there. Uh, if you are a subscriber through the Patreon and your, your status hasn't been put up there correctly, go ahead and message the DGS staff and they can adjust that for you uh, for their Discord page. Um, make sure you come and check them out on their Facebook page, uh, dgsgames.com as well, for all your Freeblades needs, if your local game store doesn't carry it. And do we got any rumors that you can talk about? Do you got anything you can tell us? Anything fun? He's looking at Julie, <laughs> waiting for permission from yeah. the boss. Yeah, well, Julie well, is the boss. I need to go to the bathroom. I'll try and Julie. It's always a good policy to look at Julie for permission. It's, yeah. It keeps me out of trouble. Uh, no, well, first of all, we, I just want to say that we are, the reason why I kind of looked at it is because boss, and um, we are releasing early previews of things to World Builders and Fail on Elite. Mm-hmm. So just letting it open into the wild is later than they see it. Gotcha. We have to make sure that anything we might, you know, show is not going to disrupt the, uh, they paid for their purpose. The ebb and flow and for having that. Yeah, we're going to get to them. So uh, if, they, if they're willing to put their hard-earned cash into us and put that kind of belief into us, we're going to deliver on, yep, the other ones will get to see this, you know, first. Um, I will, we can emphasize a couple of things that are going on, though, that aren't part of that. Uh, we've returned to, we have work on the model stack cards. Jen talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole new set, you know, replace the old kind. They will survive longer without being updated, and they will uh, fit into a tarot sleeve and take up less space on the table. You know, so there's a lot of advantages to those. Um, can you talk, talk about, about some? release. Right, so this yeah. one's uh, release is the, we talked about it earlier, kind of, we mm-hmm. talked about the uh, Herodel and Cantor, uh, a model that um, is of a, I don't know what the right word is, nondescript, nonspecific body type, and two different Gender hands. neutral? One that yes. looks female, you know, biologically female, if that's the right word, biologically male. Uh, so you can play that character how you want to play that character, you know. And that was so much fun from the art point of view, going to our concept artist and telling him what we wanted. And it was as simple as Aaron and I had a conversation because he sponsored this model and he wanted it to be male. And I was like, but they already have a male caster. What if we had a female caster? And Aaron came back with, what if it can be either? What if it's not specific? What if we go in the neutral territory? And so then it's, okay, so what else can we do with this? And I think really Bill did a fantastic job on the concept art when this went to the sculptor 
there weren't any questions about what we were going for. Right. And yeah. I think Micah nailed it in the sculpt as well. Yeah. And you just you choose the head style that you want. Or, you know, with magnets, you can swap it That's week right. to week, day to day, halfway yeah. through the game. Yeah, whatever you feel like that day, you could have if you want. Absolutely. So we have a model that, you know, is absolutely what you want to make it. But And John worked hard on the spell list. Obviously, he's a fan of it. Well, yeah, you're right, because it's my style. And Aaron's yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, because the sponsor had a lot of say in what... Now, so there are the 27 Varanic Rites spells from level one through three are set. What we were choosing, some of them are the same as the Fist has, and some of the ones that are different. And it's not all level threes or all level ones. It's a mixture of both, of right. all three. So um, it was a style that we were going for. You know, the Fist of Bidnar is a warrior priest. Buff, 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 way in. <laughs> you know, I'm going to run because of armor casting and chosen warrior. I'm going to generally run out of power before other casters. And then it's all going to be my multi-charge Warhammer spell after that, you know, Warhammer spell. So um, the Varanic priest is more of the in-the-church priest with robes and no significant defenses like the Mr. Vidnar has uh, in his armor. Uh, so they're out in the Paradellum countryside in a church, in a chapel, uh, and not, you know, built to be a fighter, front, you know, be able to take damage. So more like a mender or a sun eater or you know these other type casters, you know. So that's the that's the role in the free blades game is different from a tactical standpoint than the fist of Uh And then the spells buff differently, you know, not the same set that no barracks rage, you know, for example. So you couldn't use the cantor to do what you were doing with. I don't think barracks rage. Um, so it plays a little differently. Then in the storyline, because they were out there on their own, they had their own protector who was at the chapel there making sure that they didn't get, you know, kidnapped or mugged or killed or whatever it is, taken, taken hostage. And that's the sword's job. That's what the swords of Vidnar do. Mm-hmm. So that's her role. That's why she has champion Cantor. Uh, <clears throat> she's a perfectly capable part of your free band without the cantor in it, as we saw. Today. Yeah, as we right. talked about earlier. So, yep. um, but the cantor is uh, another way of playing that priest. And if you have the style, I'm not going to weigh in. I want to. I want to cast longer. I want this particular set of buffs over what the history dark casts. Right. Uh, once you see them, then that would be a good fit for you. You know, um, it's going to be good either way. She's also, he also, they also are cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Fist of Bridgeman is one of those rare casters that's more than 31. Right, but they have the heavy armor. They have that ability to go in with a Warhammer. And, and they'd be more with a Warhammer cast. Right. Know, they'd be, it costs even more. It actually cuts them off the price. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, she has a little different. He has a little different um, mix of, you know, talents and, and capabilities that make them just a little bit cheaper. Uh, if that's something that's important to somebody. You know, to, and that is the 22nd? The 20th. 20th is the release date for Cantor. Cool. So we're very excited to bring that one to you. Yep. See you in the tournament soon. Yeah, but Harrodell broken now. As soon as she's out, Harrodell broken. I thought Marcelle was broken. Right now. Oh. When the Cantor comes out, Harrodell will be broken. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. I wasn't sure because I thought Michelle was broken right now because they were range. Yeah. Because yeah, range won. wins, right? Range wins. Right, right. There used to be uh, Stoneclaw. Yeah, it's the flavor of the month. And, you know, we, well, we're joking around a little bit, but, you know, like with the Kazark, 
if we get evidence that we think that there's some balance issue. I mean, Andrew Potter was one of the people going into the tournament who was likely to be in the top ranks of the tournament from past performance. Right. You know, been, been around yeah. since the beginning, capable player, plays a lot, studies the game, uh, and um, um, has performed at a high level in all, all the tournaments that they've been, he's been in. If you're a good player and you understand the rules and the mechanics of the game, uh, you can win with almost any fat, any models. It really comes down to not fighting your play style and not taking a list that just hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go into a game and I'm just going to, I'm going to take all followers and do this way. Yeah, because if you went into a game and you're like literally all ranged, sure, that might be good for a little bit. Right. But it's not going to win you the game. And it could really okie-dokie. Yeah, I, I had thought about that. So, for example, you could be looking at the Eclipse. You could hear what we said today, right? And you could be looking at the Eclipse and go, ah, four ranged heroes. I could do that Eclipse. I'm going to take two Night Whispers and two Manslayers. That is a completely different list than Leader, Caster, two Rectacar, Dismounted, two Weaver's Kingdom. It's four shooter heroes on both. But the play of those four shooter heroes is radically different. And so if somebody took the four Eclipse Shooter heroes and tried to play them the way Andrew did today with the four Michelle ones, that would not be good. It's a different thing. If you look at the talent combinations, you know, the defenses, what, how they fight in melee, two completely different things. But they're similar and they're all Shooter heroes. You know? They can shoot. Uh, it'd be the same thing if I, has, um, if I had uh, uh, Grular with two Gnarl and two Marauders. Those are four Shooter heroes. Right. Not able to do what the two Rictacar and two Rubus can They'd be better at some things. They wouldn't be as good in the way that they were played today. You know, so just be careful about that. <laughs> it could be dangerous. Yeah, it, it more boils down to you, your knowledge of your models and how to use them. And then there's the luck component because despite how many shooter heroes they have, they could be charging rolls, they could be rolling twos, they could yeah. not be getting the job done. You could be, what, three times critting... On a parry repose. <laughs> you could be that was one of the crazier things we saw. Muscle archers, super critty Micron. Yep. Right, exactly. You know, it's yeah. all None of that ever happens here in this room. Six point model. You know, thirty point model. Shooting them and killing them. Right. Yeah, so for the tournament on the charge. List, you don't necessarily know which scenarios you're gonna be facing. You don't know who exactly you're gonna face in all of the games going forward. So you're trying to find a good balance. Something that is capable of doing multiple things. And sometimes that's going to work great for you, and sometimes it might hinder you a little bit. Like John said, none of these lists were built where people shouldn't yeah, have been able to do deal. the basics. What she's saying is a big deal, because if Storm was five straight Warriors tombs, there would have been a lot of Kazark. Probably so. You know, right? And you could ignore the things like, I need somebody to go get my loot markers, and I need to be able to go collect intel on the advanced card objectives, and I need to be able to you know, kill a goal, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. whatever the things are. You, you could get away with just being... Super salty melee, and all the other maneuver components of the list. If I knew I was just going to attack one objective and certainty. So we don't recommend that. I mean, certainly, you know, if you're in your play group and you want your local tournament to be five skirmishes, do it. You know, if that's what your players want, it's your game. You know, we would never gainsay that. But that's not the kind of thing we're going to run for a general audience. You know, we're going to mix it up. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. We've been on a little over an hour. So, anybody have any closing comments? Oh, How'd you do the tournament then? <laughs> I was undefeated. Awesome. That is so awesome. No, but granted, it was two draws and an objective win. 
So I'll at least say that here at the end for those of you that listened all the way through. <laughs> for the other ones that didn't, yeah. then they're just going to think I went undefeated. <laughs> Multiple times. All the way. Um, Julie, you got anything? No, I think you've covered it. Um, I, I will say the, the Blade Mother was very disappointed that one of the two final semi-finalist Eclipse free bands didn't make it into the finals. We're going to have some uh, training camp. Uh, uh, Colin and CJ can be here too. <laughs> yep. A couple of men let her down, just part of the day. You know, right? yeah. She'll shake them up. No, it was a, it was a great tournament. I loved uh, loved watching the games. Um, again, so much appreciation to Matt Budney for all that he did to uh, make yep. this tournament Absolutely happen. Absolutely wouldn't happen otherwise. Yep. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Thank you to everyone that helped us with this. BJ for loading everything up. Matt Budney for walking everyone through how to do tabletop, helping us here, answering questions. Because on the technical side, we would Dan have been for jumping useless. into play at the last minute. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. And Andrew Potter, hopefully you're listening. Don't forget to hop into our Discord channel and tell us what your plan was with the dismounted versus the mounted Riptard. Because now <laughs> right. John has us all curious. Sure. Yeah. I think it's playing worth it. He could have fit it in his list. It's well, yep. It was one gold, though. So. One gold. I don't know. Did, did, it, did it really come that? Did you have snowshoes? <laughs> no, I believe snowshoes. Oh. No, no, he had okay. the book of lore. He had the book of lore. He did, yeah, right. That, well, that could, be, that could be why he made that choice. But Absolutely. yeah, we'd just like to hear from you directly mm-hmm. as the winner what your tactical choices yeah, were. Book of, if I'm not mistaken, book of lore is a jack to your knowledge test. Uh, plus one die level. In and so also test. works in advanced card. Yep. Also would have been good in the trials. Yeah. yeah. But it actually did help in the months. Yeah. So. Well, then we talked about you got to be prepared for do. We're gonna lots of things. We're, gonna, so. we're adding two more competitive, you know, one-off, one-on-one scenarios to LRB twenty one one. Nice. Yes. So. so if you think you've played everything, you haven't. And we're not saying those are going to be featured at the next uh, Adepticon tournament, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first without having to it's pay. There's your, there's your rumor. <laughs> you heard it here first, and you didn't uh, have to pay. Shell game will be part of somewhere <laughs> in the mix of the next. Uh, no, that's knocking on wood that we actually have one. Yeah, no kidding. Right, no kidding. We will. Well, I mean, if nothing else, we have figured out Tabletop Simulator pretty well. We just I, need more have people. We filled it out, yeah. Have we figured out enough to let Matt play? Apparently <laughs> 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 not. If I can clear enough time in my calendar to sit down with him and actually go through all of the videos and so on on training, I think we could get there. We could get there. As long as we don't have one for the next, like, three or four months. It really be about these guys are all trained now. Yes, it really absolutely. be about the player who came in and wasn't familiar with Tabletop Simulator be able to give them some personal attention to help them. In, you know, right. you mean person. like you, John, who needed the help. <laughs> yes, true. About a lot of categories. We could be really dangerous and let John play in a tournament. No. No? no not no, not even can. a black did, on the table? We did talk about a staff tournament. A staff tournament? Staff tournament would be okay. What, what if challenge coin winners could challenge you? I, I just you, for I like a title or something on, to based say. on Chris Jackson's record that would be a bad idea I think that just makes people want to try more <laughs> I, I mean if nothing really? else we can throw in <laughs> you think oh, come on let's go after the hard one but you know throw in a Blade Master title on the Discord channel I mean I, if we, 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 we can want find to make something. a standard for Blade Master to be beating me but maybe okay. well, <laughs> I'm just throwing some ideas out yeah. there I'll just after but you well, mentioned that you miss competitive play you, you are I'm an undefeated tournament <laughs> attending <God>. Blade Master <laughs> tournament golf that's what he is so yeah. that works <laughs> 
But you mentioned you missed competitive I'm playing also undefeated blades, in free blades so. tournaments. I just want to point that out. <laughs> okay. The difference yeah. is he's at least played in some. Oh, wow. I'm just trying to get a, you some good competitive games, John. We need to have a staff tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My Traz rights against Julie's Eclipse. All kinds of fun games. That'd be fun. Uh, my money's on Julie. I hate to say it. I'm sorry. Okay, Play mother your money down. Again, it goes to knowing your army. Right. Absolutely. All right, and with that, um, your undefeated High Quester host, <laughs> Dan Rains, is signing out, and uh, we will see you on the next edition. Thanks for joining us today at Darch. You can find all your free blade needs at dgsgames.com. Make sure you visit the Free Blades Players page on Facebook as well. With that, we have reached our breakpoint and must back it up. Until next time, Freebladers. Bladers.